I'm pretty sure that none of us here find great joy in our expectations not being met. There's something about uh, expectations. We expect them to happen. And because we expect them to happen, we assume that they will. And when they don't, well, that can be a little bit jarring. And don't we live in an age in which expectations are not being met? We're looking at Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. And Jesus seems to be unraveling everyone's expectations for him. And Mark gives us five scenes, and we're going to look at the fourth scene this morning. Five scenes in which Jesus unravels expectations that others have for him. And what makes this passage a bit unique thus far in Mark's gospel is that in verse 24, the Pharisees actually show up. Here they are in our passage this morning. Our passages from uh, Mark chapter 2 will begin uh, at uh, verse uh, 23, and let's just go to the end of the chapter this morning. We'll stop at the end of chapter 2. Little theologians, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I think that I have asked you to draw for me before uh, scientists carrying clipboards. Does that sound familiar to you? Have I asked you to draw that before? I'm not sure that I have, but work on that. Scientists walking around carrying clipboards. Maybe you don't know what a clipboard is. Well, uh, ask uh, mom and dad in, the lull, in a lull in the sermon, perhaps. Our passage is uh, Mark uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Uh, please join me in prayer before we look at this passage. Our Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. Would we find delight in your word? a lightness of spirit? Would we, be, would we uh, feel uh, incoming joy as we read your word, hear your word, study your word? And would all of that last into the new week, that we would be uh, word-centered over the course of this week? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage begins at verse uh, 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of our Lord. I do think it's important when we look at the scene to see that Mark is setting up the figures of the scene very, very carefully. In fact, the kind of scene that I think he's setting up is a scene which um, I uh, take in fairly often. I go to these funny events called concours de Legans, which are basically glorified car shows. And I like these events. Uh, maybe you would not. But if you imagine a golf course with a lot of beautiful cars, multi-million dollar cars scattered throughout the golf course, 
Interesting, I don't golf, but I go to car shows uh, in which I am on a golf course. And they're beautiful cars with people dressed very smartly, walking around and looking. And some of those smartly dressed people have hats on, and in their hands are clipboards. And they walk around, and they uh, make little markings on their clipboard as they look at cars. It's kind of what they do. Well, I go to these events, and I love looking at cars, but I have no idea what's on one of those clipboards. I've never seen one. I'd like to snatch one out of someone's hands and see what exactly it is. And I, I don't know if all the clipboards are the same. Are they different at all? Smartly dressed people with hats and clipboards. But I know what they're doing, obviously. I mean, they're, they're going around and the clipboards have some kind of standard, some kind of mark of perfection on it, and then they're analyzing the specimens before them. And they're looking at the specimen and they're weighing the specimen uh, based upon whatever it is that's on the clipboard. But I'm sure what's on the clipboard is what the perfection of the specimen ought to be like. What's on the clipboard? What's on the clipboard? And Jesus, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus, he seems to be looking at the disciples with a slightly different clipboard than that of the Pharisees. But as Lord of the Sabbath, what Jesus does is he makes whatever is on that clipboard to be no longer a source of condemnation, source of judgment, but rather a source of blessing. A gift is on that clipboard. Because as Lord of the Sabbath... In Jesus' hands, the law becomes rest to the Christian. In Jesus' hands, the very law, Sabbath included, actually becomes rest, blessing, grace, delight for the Christian. And we could divide this scene in a couple of uh, separate scenes, one being the assumption of the Pharisees in verses 23 and 24, and then in verse 25. It's actually Jesus offering more than his assumption. He's actually countering the assumption of the Pharisees. It's the Sabbath. We see that clearly in the passage. And the disciples are going through the grain fields, verse 23. They're plucking off the heads of grain and they're eating them. And, and Jesus, and this is the real rub, isn't it? Jesus isn't stopping them. Jesus is allowing them to do this. Jesus seems to be standing apart from them. Do you catch that in this scene? Jesus, he seems to be standing apart from them. He's leading them through the grain fields, uh, but uh, he is, seems to be standing next to Pharisees, and the Pharisees say in verse 24 to Jesus, look at them. And the picture in my mind, I think there's biblical proof for this, is that Jesus is standing and looking at the disciples at a, at a short distance, and the Pharisees are standing next to Jesus also looking at the disciples at a short distance. And here they are. You can almost imagine that both of them have clipboards in their hands, and they're watching the specimen as the specimen actually moves before their eyes, going through the grain fields, making their way. Perhaps it's not much, but there is a bit of tension in the scene. Do you feel that tension? You know, many people who are not believers, they think of Christianity as exactly this way. Christianity is Jesus holding a clipboard and watching you. And their understanding then of that picture of Christianity is not positive. But wait, Mark's just getting started. 
And the Pharisees actually are the first to comment. You see that in verse 24. The Pharisees say uh, they are doing what is not lawful. They're very confident. They're doing that which is not lawful. Now, why do you think they're so secure in this? One reason is simply the Old Testament itself. The the high value that uh, God places on the Sabbath is a high value of the Sabbath that the Pharisees knows well. The Sabbath is the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, and it's by far the wordiest of the commandments, so it's very, very important. The Sabbath and circumcision, in fact, were the most important laws to the Pharisees. And when you look at the Old Testament, the Pharisees surely know Exodus 34, verse 21. That's an interesting passage because it mentions both the Sabbath as well as the agricultural imagery of uh, the grain field. Exodus 34, 21 says, Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. I think that might be the most excellent proof text that the Pharisees have. But that's just one reason why they're so sure in their judgment that the disciples are unlawful. It's the Old Testament. The second is this. What the disciples are doing is actually a part of an already established code of conduct that's approved by the Pharisees. I mean, surely you don't think that this is the very first time in the history of Judaism that someone has walked through a grain field and plucked a head of grain and eaten it. You don't think this is the first time this has happened. Of course, of course it isn't. But there was already an acceptable way of dealing with this very situation. Uh, In uh, our circles, uh, uh, as a theologian, uh, we would say there's already a position paper uh, that deals specifically with this issue. And so they're looking at the Old Testament, but they're also looking at their position on this very matter. Verse 23, the highlight of Mark, uh, which I think may be a bit playful, the highlight of Mark is that uh, he says that they're going through the grain fields and they're making their way. It sounds an awful lot like journeying, doesn't it? They're journeying through the grain field. You know, there actually is a Pharisaical rejection of journeying on the Sabbath. Wouldn't you like to know what that was? If I walk to my car in a parking lot, is that a journey? Can I do that on the Sabbath? Well, you can if you've parked within 2,000 paces. So be careful. If you've parked within 2,000 paces, you're fine. It's a little bit silly, isn't it? But there was in the Code of the Pharisees rules for how much journeying could be done on the Sabbath. Well, under 2,000 paces. But that's not really what they're after, it doesn't seem. What they're after is the fact that the disciples are actually plucking grain. They're eating the grain. And the very plucking of that grain is harvesting. It's work. And Exodus 34, 21, but also the position papers of Phariseeism says that this is something that is unlawful. And so they're very, very confident. Do you see, Jesus, what they're doing is unlawful? And at this point, someone uh, with a very nice pen makes a mark on the clipboard. But Jesus, in verse 25, offers a very unique challenge or a counter. You see, Jesus, he doesn't examine the specimen. You remember the scene? Jesus and the Pharisees, and they're watching the disciples. But Jesus, in his comments, in verse 25, he actually doesn't examine the specimen. He instead examines the standards. Jesus is not looking at the disciples at this point. Jesus is instead looking at clipboards, his clipboard and the clipboard of the Pharisees. 
You see, the Pharisees had made a mistake. They had assumed that Jesus was using the same clipboard as theirs. The destruction of expectations can be so painful. And what Jesus does is he, instead of examining the specimen, he examines the clipboard in a couple of ways. What is on the clipboard and who is the authority of the clipboard? What's on the clipboard and who's the authority of the clipboard? Well, what's on Jesus' clipboard, you may ask? Well, to be sure, the Old Testament is. Look what he says in verse 25. Have you never read? And he says that to Pharisees. Have you never read? Of course they've read. Jesus is uh, preparing them for what's to come. He is going to shatter their expectations. Of course they've read. And then he goes on to a passage from the Old Testament. And the passage that he goes to, you heard earlier in the service from 1 Samuel chapter 21. And it might sound as though that's a strange passage to go to, but there's something that uh, most immediately ought to grab us about this passage, is that Jesus is finding in that passage a phrase, an exact phrase, of that which the Pharisees have already uttered. The Pharisees look at the disciples and they say they are doing something that is not lawful. Is not lawful. That's what the Pharisees say in verse uh, 24. But Jesus goes to 1 Samuel 21. How's this for knowledge of the Bible? A scene in which that very phrase shows up. Is not lawful. And you can see in Jesus' quote in verse 26, it's, it's the exact same phrase. And Jesus, he goes to 1 Samuel 21, so clearly the Old Testament is on his clipboard. In 1 Samuel 21, David has recently been anointed the king by Samuel, and the spirit has rushed upon him. But, but Saul, he's not going to give up easily. And, and Saul, he begins to make David's life terrible, and then, as David has just learned, Saul is committed to kill David. Remember that scene where uh, Jonathan uh, sits at the table uh, with his dad, and David is missing the first day, and the second day, and the third day. And uh, dad, Saul, is very angry by this, and it was a test. And Jonathan knows now that his dad is seeking the neck of his good friend David, the one who is anointed, the one who has received the Holy Spirit as God's king for his people. And you remember what Jonathan does. He goes out, and he, this is in Gibeah, and he shoots an arrow, and the arrow goes uh, well beyond David. And David receives this as a sign to know, okay, Saul is indeed going to kill me. Run and run far away. And David goes immediately to the city of Nob. That's the scene that we looked at this morning. And Nob is a city that's not far from uh, Gibeah, and it exists because the Philistines had flattened Shiloh. Shiloh was that religious center, and the Philistines flattened it. And what happens in Nob is there's this tiny little settlement that grows up, a settlement of maybe 400 people. And in this settlement are 85 priests, and it's a bit of a holy city. It's a city in which people would go, even though the ark isn't there, uh, the people would go because there's an altar there, and there's a, a priestly garment there. In fact, uh, the sword of Goliath is even there, uh, and there is the table uh, of presence, the table with 12 loaves of bread, and, and people would come to the city of Nob, and they would uh, seek the will of God, and they would seek cleanliness before God. Now, you have to understand I don't think that the city of Nob was thriving with worshipers. 
David goes to the city, and he's gone to the city before to seek the counsel of God. And he goes to the city, and he's hungry, and presumably he's alone, and he's most certainly terrified. The one who people believe is the king wants his throat. And David goes to Nob, and he asks for five loaves of bread. He's hungry. Perhaps he hasn't eaten for three days. And Ahimelech and his son Abiathar, who are priests in the city of Nob, they actually uh, give him bread. But the bread should only be used for priests, but they give it to him anyway. And the question we would ask, well, first of all, we might say, that's a very strange passage to go to, Jesus. Why there? But a question that we certainly should ask is, was that lawful? Was it lawful for David to do that? And if we look at Scripture... We don't have to look very hard to see. It is lawful. The priests allowed it. It may be that the priests gave it to David because they could see that he was famished. He was hungry. Three days without food. Look what Jesus emphasizes in verse 25. David was in need and David was hungry. And it could be that the priests saw that. And even though it was the Sabbath, they gave the bread to David. And the priests are never indicted. But also think about David. Scripture never indicts him either. David is never chastised for what he has done, asking the priests for that bread that belongs only to them. The era of Saul, you may or may not know, was an era of great faithlessness among the people of Israel. Nobody in this era takes Jesus or takes God seriously. Samuel is an exception. David is an exception. Jonathan is an exception. And presumably these priests are an exception. The priests are clearly faithful, which is why a faithless man like Saul would, right after this scene, kill each and every one of them minus one. This land of unfaithfulness is a land in which David's faithfulness shines like a bright light. It is clear that he is the most sincere follower of God at this time, and there's no hint of indictment. Is it lawful? It's lawful. Now remember, Jesus is examining the clipboards, not the specimen. What do you think then is on his clipboard? It's certainly the Old Testament, written by God, displaying his authority. But what's written on the clipboard of the Pharisees? Well, on the Pharisees' clipboard is their own code, their own interpretation, written by them and displaying their own authority. The Old Testament may be written there as well, but it's their authority of their interpretation that they're exercising against the specimen. And Jesus' clipboard, we actually have a bit of a summary of that in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Have you been confused by that verse in the past? What, what exactly does that mean? Do you know, this, this verse becomes very clear when you go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, and you look at creation, and then begin to understand that verse, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In the order of creation, on day six, God created man. On day six, he had, he had uh, taken man, and having created a universe perfectly suitable for him, he made man in his own image. Nobody else's image but his own. 
And he not only made man, he actually enters into a relationship with man, sustains him, gives him purpose. And the Bible says that he blessed man and woman. And he judged them indeed on that sixth day, and he judged them to be very good. God worked creation and then put as the pinnacle of his, of his creative hand uh, man in that garden. And he says that man is very good. And on the seventh day, God rested from his work and blessed that day. And man and woman, without doing any work whatsoever, entered that day of God's rest by simply going to sleep and waking the next day. And they enjoy that day as a gift. God did all of the work. Man didn't create himself. Man did no work whatsoever. In fact, all man does on that day of rest is benefits from, from, benefits from God's work, shares in God's rest, the rest that God deserves from all of his work. Man simply gets to receive as a gift. They get, uh, Adam and Eve, everything for absolutely nothing. And Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying that the Sabbath was meant to be a delight of God's gift of wonderful grace. Isaiah says to experience the Sabbath is to uh, take delight in the Lord. Uh, Isaiah says to ride on the heights of the earth, to feed upon the plan of God, to hear the voice of God. It's the very end of Isaiah chapter 58. To be a Christian is to be someone who enters the rest of God without working at all. That's what it means to be a Christian. And as they enter that rest, they experience that rest for all eternity. And so on the clipboard of the Pharisees is harsh conformity. Do this that you might receive something. But what's on the clipboard of Jesus? Grace. Grace is on that clipboard. The Sabbath is a gift, and God gives that gift with no strings attached. On the clipboard of Jesus is the beauty of a reconciled relationship with God, a relationship of delight, a relationship of blessedness, a relationship of grace in which the Christian has done absolutely nothing and received absolutely, well, everything. I want to actually tie this up with an observation and an encouragement. The observation, I think, may sound a bit harsh, but just hold your breath for the encouragement. The observation is this. You and I both know that we live in an age when biblical literacy, both outside and inside the church, is at an all-time low. You know that, and I know that. There was a time when those even outside of the church knew a thing or two about the stories of the Old Testament, but those days seemed to be gone. We live in an age when biblical literacy, both outside and inside the church, is at an all-time low. But we also live in an age in which impassioned judgmentalism, both outside and inside the church, is at an all-time high. Uh, judgmentalism uh, outside the church and inside the church is all over the place, and it's impassioned and it's raw, and yet biblical literacy is almost hard to find. Well, I can speak just about my own uh, tribe, the Church of Jesus, and I know that within this church, we uh, don't know as much about the Bible as I think we ought to know. I suppose that's true even for myself as well. But within the church, biblical literacy, I think, is not where it should be. 
but also within the church, again, speaking from uh, uh, where I stand, within the church, we seem to be uh, almost angrier than ever, not just at those things outside the church, things happening in Washington, D.C., but we also seem to be pretty angry at one another. I think about the various opinions that we hold with regards to coronavirus. I think sometimes the biblical literacy in the church and the judgmentalism in the church Well, it's not exactly where it should be. Biblical literacy seems to be low, impassioned judgment is high. And the question that I have uh, on the heels of this observation, uh, which I think is difficult, is this. What exactly is on your clipboard? What's on your clipboard? Not only as you look out at the world, but as you look at your brothers and sisters in the life of the church. As certainly there should be the Bible on that clipboard. And we need to uh, very vigilantly and very prayerfully seek God and his word. But oftentimes on that clipboard is also a great deal of rationale for judgment, for critique that may or may not be in the Bible. So let's calm down perhaps. Let's judge slowly and let's vigilantly seek God's word. Well, that's the observation. I told you it would be a bit biting. But here's an encouragement. You know, when we think about uh, Jesus and his work on our behalf, don't forget that in Jesus, the extreme of legalism and the extreme of lawlessness are both avoided. You see, Jesus is not an overlord meant to drain delight from life by enforcing the law. That's not what Jesus does. But neither is he a free agent who overturns and excuses God's moral order, neglecting it and helping us to neglect it as well. Jesus is actually a person, and he's a person who invites you into a relationship with God through his own work. He offers an invitation to enter God's rest on his very coattails. He satisfies all of the judgment of God on your behalf. And because he's done that, you can enter the rest of God. You can frolic in the rest of God, not by your own work or by anything that you have done, but by his work. To have a relationship with Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, means that every requirement of the law has already been met. Do you know what that means? His clipboard is all grace. That's the clipboard that looms over you. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, this is a better way to understand what Christianity is. There is a clipboard, but all of the requirements of that clipboard have been satisfied in Jesus Christ. And so to you, that clipboard is a clipboard of grace that has been earned for you. A better understanding of Christianity. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Jesus, we thank you for your obedience, and we thank you that you have served us in this way, doing all that was necessary for the holiness of God, that we might actually be covered in uh, your own holiness in his sight. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us into the rest of the Father for all eternity. In your name, amen.